week, lots of you get in touch telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. So, Liz Jones, we're back on sex, aren't we, this week? Yeah, I had a few people on Twitter saying I've got to stop writing and talking about sex, but if I want to write and talk about sex, it's quite a, a fundamental p- part of life, isn't it? It's like... It might be yours. Not it's so like much breathing. <laughs> Not so much my fundamental part of my life, I've got to say. <laughs> but I have just read, in one feverish sitting... Oh, feverish. The sixth and final book the 50 shades and this is freed as told by christian so the last three books have been from the man's point of view and even though the book is absolutely risible and i've written about it on mel plus uh, yesterday i mean the sex is just boring but there isn't enough of it you kind of want sex in every paragraph don't you i suppose if you're going for 50 shades yeah and also Christian notices things like he notices that you know she's in a bower of flowers and that there's fairy lights and candles whereas men don't really notice anything do they who uses the word bower past Shakespeare Shakespeare uses the word the book is actually inadvertently funny so they've just had sex and some flowers Christian the florist is returning to dismantle this bower they've done a great job and the flowers will go to a local senior's home. Who writes stuff like that? I don't know. And who, after the first flush of sex, is worrying about where the flowers are going for the love But of to God. say, and the flowers will go to a local senior's home. <laughs> you don't, wouldn't say, you say old people's home, wouldn't you? Or care home. But you, you wouldn't, wouldn't even senior. say it. You wouldn't even write it. Who ties their girlfriend up and is then politically correct? Come on. But what, it, what the book made me feel is that why do we need this book? Why do we need Fifty Shades? And why are we clinging on to it? And it's sold all around the world. and It's the fastest ever selling book on Amazon. And my feeling is that the reason we need Fifty Shades is because we've annihilated a whole generation of men, more than a whole generation of men, and we've emasculated them and we've made them completely useless and incapable Therefore, they're not that great in bed, are they? If you've just told your man off for putting his sweating glass on the coffee table and you've told him to use a coaster, you're not going to want him to rip your clothes off and he's not going to want to rip your clothes off because you've just treated him like a toddler. To be fair, I think most men would probably be scared of ripping your clothes off nowadays. I mean, there's a politically correct thing, there's a sexual harassment thing, there's the treating them like a toddler thing... It's, there's, there's a whole host of issues going on. So I'm just... There is no way of, of, of marrying the two, is there? You can't be in a relationship where the woman is doing everything and telling the man off and then expect him to be assertive in the bedroom. 
But they've got to be everything, haven't they? They've got to be sensitive. They've got to be able to cry and show emotion. They've got to be able to mow the lawn. They've got to be able to be super stud from a Jackie Collins novel. They've got to be everything. But now they're not anything. I remember when I had my last boyfriend and I sent him out to mow my lawn and I could see him. I was watching him out the window. So we don't just make them do a job. We actually watch them and monitor them. So I was watching him out the window and he was just standing next to it, scratching his head. So eventually I went out and said, what's wrong? What's why are you not mowing the lawn? And he said, well, it won't start. So I, he said, I keep pulling the thing, but it won't start. So I said, well, have you pressed the little blister that makes the fuel go into the thing? No, I didn't know you had to do that. But my dad knew how to do that. And so, you know, if you look at my mum's generation, she was married to a man who killed Nazis. You can't get more macho than that, can you? That's quite he macho, he yeah. mowed the lawn. He knew there was a little blister that you had to push. He paid all the bills. My mum didn't even know how to drive a car. She didn't have a checkbook. She didn't have a job. But they had loads of sets because they had seven children. And my mum never moaned about my dad. She never bossed him. She never nagged him. She always put him first. They respected each other and they respected each other's roles. Yeah. But now we're so capable. I mean, we're so agile with technology, aren't we? And we look at the man in our life sort of puzzling why he can't order an Uber, why the app's out of date, and, oh, I didn't know you had to do that, and, oh, I didn't know I had to... You just snatch the phone from his hands, don't you, and do it yourself, and give it back. So... You know, we earn as much, if not more, than them. We're dynamic. And I feel they've been left behind. So you can't expect them to be like Christian Grey in the bedroom, which is why we need Fifty Shades, even though it's so awful. And the films were so awful. I know you haven't seen the films, but I was sent to review the the films. I've seen the first one, awful. I kept counting Dakota Johnson's nipples. One, two, two, dub, two, three... Four. The num I got sick and tired of seeing her nipples, but you only saw Jamie Dornan's actually I only knew Jamie Dornan's penis made a very brief appearance because the man I was with said I said, But we didn't see his penis and he said, Yes, we just we saw a bit of it and I missed it. A bit of I it. missed it. <laughs> Which bit did we say? I mean, it was it so impressive you could only fit a bit on screen. <laughs> so even though it's substandard porn and not what we deserve, you're going to have to wait for my book to come out next year for that. We still buy it and want to read it because we've made men extinct. But there must there must be some capable dynamic, manly men out there that are still get the balance between being sensitive and care. There must it, it is possible. I think it there's one I think there's one in Australia. Uh, really? Yeah. Really? I think there is one in Australia, the lesser spotted Nigel, <laughs> who's very capable. Perfect Nigel. Like when I met him in Bali and we were staying in this awful hotel 
with awful buffets. You know, I don't do buffets. I don't go and don't stand up and get my dinner. No. I'm fighting my way through. I don't do buffets. Elbowing and Lizzie's at the table giving me a plate. Get, get, get my food. But even though I just met him, he went on the internet and he Googled local vegan restaurants and he worked out how to get there and he ordered a taxi. He was proactive, very manly, but he actually took charge and found a vegan restaurant. So there's one in Australia, but I haven't found one here. But they just expect you to then do it. It's like my garden. I've been asking Martin to mow the lawn, but he doesn't do Years. anything else. doesn't do anything Years. else. I pay for everything. I do everything. The one thing I asked him to do is the goddamn garden. And currently, it's knee length. Currently, it's up to my knees. But you are never going to want to have sex with a man who won't do your garden. Or that, like, chews so loudly and breathes so loudly and snores. But he is your son. Uh, yeah, no, I have inherited a great big, enormous Lump. teenager. I have. Yeah. And all I want him to do but is... But we don't want to have kinky sex. Or any. With a great big lumpy teenager. I've got news for you. Don't mow my lawn. No chance. I actually actually wanted to have kinky sex with the last one because normal sex doesn't work, really. But he didn't want to do it. you're doing it wrong. He didn't want to do it. And I'd say to him, because obviously I'm deaf and when I have sex, I take my hearing aids out, I'd say to him, talk dirty, loudly. And he says, I'm not going to do that. Eh? 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 He wouldn't talk dirty loudly. So even when you tell them exactly what, what you want to do and how kinky you want it to be, they won't do it. They're like a donkey at Beecher's Brook. They won't jump it. No. <laughs> do you know, it's giving me images I'm not sure I can cope with. But don't you find, like, when you've got to give an instruction manual, it's just, like, it just takes a little bit no, of No, I do. I it. actually draw little diagrams and I've got little pie charts, timings. A flip chart. You got a flip chart. You could do like the Miss Jones thing: hair up, glasses, flip chart. And I once asked him for. So, I once asked him for phone sex. He says, "No, I'm not doing that." And I said to him, "What do you fantasise about?" And the only thing he would say was, "Well, I fantasise about that thing that you sometimes want to do." And I'm like, "What thing?" Sometimes I want him to make me a peanut butter sandwich. Does he fantasise about that? I had phone sex the other day. With who? <laughs> Martin phoned up and said, did I want a chip butty bringing in? That's my idea of phone sex. But you're not allowed chip butter. Well, I said no. Okay, calm, calm, lower your blood pressure. I said no. But that's, that's my idea of it. I can't... Do you, can you be bothered? Seriously, can you be bothered, honestly? With what? With all this shenanigans, this kinky stuff and this... Um, there was a time when I had some interest, but now I get home, I'm knackered. I want to sit down. I want Coronation Street. I'm obviously getting old. I think I've always been quite highly sex, really, because, like, as a child, I went from one poster boy to another. I went from Davy Jones to David Cassidy, Paul Newman. That went on for years and years and years, Paul Newman. Right, right. Mark Bolan, uh, Paul McCartney, Marlon Brando. I remember as a very small child going to the newsagent and buying The Sun because they were serialising a book about Marlon Brando and I wasn't allowed to buy The Sun just to look at pictures of Marlon Brando. So I think people underestimate 
how sexual girls can be, teenage girls. You know when there was all this stuff about um, Jimmy Savile yeah. and all the stuff that was going on Terrible. at Top of the Pops. Yeah. If I'd been allowed to go to Top of the Pops as, a, as an 11-year-old and found David Cassidy, I'd have ripped his clothes off. Yeah, I don't doubt that. I don't doubt <laughs> But the thing is, is, isn't it? It's like, at the moment, I have got a green smoothie in front of me. I'm not drinking it with any enthusiasm. If I had a cream cake, I'd have a lot more enthusiasm about devouring it to get my drift. It, de- it, it depends what your incentive is, doesn't it? How much enthusiasm you Well, my incentive is getting David Cassidy. Exactly. Exactly. So I have these wild crushes on men, and I had my, a wild crush on my ex-boyfriend. But when you actually get them and you say, talk dirty, and he says, I'm not doing that, it's a bit of a letdown. And also, you want, you don't, I mean, I don't want to have to give someone instructions. I just want them to have a bit of initiative and, 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 and just get on with it. I don't want to have to micromanage them even down to that level. I just don't want to do it. It's more arousing when they're not actually in the room. <laughs> and you've got your Fifty Shades book. <laughs> well, yeah. Would you want to hear about this week's column? Let's do it. It's a really sad column this week. Oh, okay. I'm no. very sorry, everyone. Oh, okay. But I can't pick and choose my topics. Life is life. You know, I could write about loading the dishwasher. I could write about my new washing machine, which is very nice. It has a light inside. I, I tell you the truth, when her washing machine was coming, she was the most excited I've seen her for a long time. A long time. Well, it's getting back of vestige of my old self i used to have a lovely washing machine i used to have a lovely sofa i used to have an amazing car well no i have but i'm trying to get back by working very hard not asking for charity i'm trying to get back my old life and my identity yeah the machine's lovely but the washing machine's lovely isn't it i keep looking at it and it's so quiet mine sounds like a tank trying to take off but yours is so quiet but it's very sad, this week's column, because I have actually been waking up for the past few weeks thinking, oh, everything's OK. What shall I worry about? Everything's OK. But then I woke up to an email from my nephew in Australia, in Sydney, telling me that my sister, who lives in Sydney, has gone into hospital in terrible pain and she's been put on a do-not-resuscitate. Oh, awful. And... It was really sad. The doctors are making her comfortable. We all know what that means. I know she's accepted the situation and understands what's going to happen. And she's only 10 years older than I am. So for her to be in that situation, and I'll briefly explain why she's in this situation, she desperately wanted to be a mum. And she came of age in the 60s where there was birth control and free sex and she then became a hippie. And so she had, she was so beautiful with a little upturned nose, really long legs, beautiful figure, such a sweet person that men just fell in love with her. She had so many boyfriends and they all had topless sports cars and they were, because she was a nurse, they were all surgeons so she thought this was incredibly great and incredibly liberating, that, that she was the first generation, really. They could just have sex whenever they wanted. 
But it was all completely one-sided because the men didn't have to marry her and they didn't have to look after her. They didn't want children with her. So men used to marry women in order to have sex. Yeah. Yeah, but then true. suddenly they could have sex with my sister and they didn't have to marry her. They could just move on to the next one. So she yeah. went from one man to another. And I remember when I was still at school... It was very exciting for me to go and visit my big sister in London. She had a bed sit off Wimpole Street because she worked at the National Heart Hospital. And one, she was a bit like um, Linda in The Pursuit of Love. One man had left and another man was coming. And yeah. I thought, oh, my God, because I was a frightened little virgin. But not one of them looked after her. And she, no. she really wanted to get married and she wanted to have children. Minnie, Minnie. come on, you're feeling left out. Come on. So she met this much younger backpacker in the pub opposite the hospital because she went to the pub every night after her shift because being a nurse in a heart hospital is incredibly stressful and that's how she coped with it. So she went to Australia to marry the backpacker and my dad was dead against it. Don't marry someone much younger, don't go to Sydney, it's not right for you. But she, she wanted a child and she had two sons. But her oldest son, Nick... When he was two, he got leukaemia. And that split up the marriage because having a sick child either cements you together or it splits you up. Yeah. And he got through it. And I remember going out to visit her in Sydney when he was quite young, but he was a very difficult child because he was been so ill. He was very difficult. He, he wouldn't get in the car seat. He wouldn't, he, all he wanted to eat was KFCs. He was incredibly difficult. But he became a really lovely young man, very handsome, went to Sydney Film School. But then, when he was about 18, the leukaemia came back. And my other nephew, who's also very handsome and charismatic, they both look, took after Lynn. They were both blonde and beautiful. He donated his bone marrow, marrow for his brother, but that didn't work, so that made him How feel awful. quite guilty. And then... When Nick was 21, the leukaemia came back again. And he said to my sister, I'm not having any more treatment. I'm not going to have any more treatment. I can't stand it. I've had treatment my whole life. That's a massive decision for a 21-year-old to say But he couldn't enough. stand it anymore. Yeah, that's, that's huge. I mean, you could sort of understand it if you're 90. But I'm quite shocked that a 21-year-old would say that's enough. That must have been so extreme for him. So, unfortunately, he died. And my sister never recovered from that and didn't look after herself and is now told what's going to happen to her. And she's accepted it. And I think she's accepted it because she can't live without her son. And she awful. wants to be with him. And how awful for her other son that's still alive and yeah. still... Well, he's, he's amazing, actually, because, he, because he's seen his brother die at such a young age. He has grasped life. He makes films. He goes to L.A. He's got a girlfriend. He's so positive. He's grabbed life with both hands. Whereas for her... She never recovered from her son wow. dying because she so desperately wanted children. She wanted to be a mum. And for that to happen just destroyed her. But it's so difficult because I can't get on a plane and go and see her. Wow. Even if your sister is dying, you're not allowed to get on a plane wow. and go to Sydney. I mean, I know Nigel's there, but I would go anyway. Yeah. And it's such a tragic 
end. And you kind of think, so she's in hospital, she's told she's DNR. Where are all those men now looking mm. after her? Where are all those men? Where are all those rich surgeons with their yeah. sports cars? They're nowhere to be found, are they? No. I just wish she'd married someone who just looked after her and she didn't have to do anything. And I remember after her son died, she came over to England to see her family. And I kept saying to her, it's too soon, don't come, it's too soon. It's really cold here, you're coming in winter, you'll freeze. And before she went back to Australia, I left her in my flat in London. Because I had to go back to Yorkshire for some reason. And she was getting a flight to Heathrow and I arranged her taxi and everything. So I left her in the flat. And I was sitting in Yorkshire and I got this phone call from a number I didn't recognise and thank God I answered it. And it was this man saying, I found your sister wandering the streets of London. Luckily, she had your number on you. And she's forgotten the address of where she's staying. So she forgot where she lived. Oh, bless her. And she couldn't... So she was wandering around. She didn't know where... So she was just in a dream. And I remember I took her to the David Bowie exhibition at the Victorian Albert because she loved David Bowie and her sons loved David Bowie. And she just walked around the exhibition and she didn't see a single thing. She didn't see anything. She didn't see the costumes. She couldn't hear the music. Awful. So you couldn't do anything with her. You couldn't take her to Le Caprice or take her to David Bowie at the V&A because she just didn't see anything. I think, honestly, when someone you love dies, it, it genuinely takes a bit of you with them, doesn't it? And, and you can, you, in any adversity, you can react like Tom has and, and grab life, but sometimes it just destroys you and that's it. It's, it's so sad. And it's not the natural of order of things, is it? A, a parent shouldn't be burying their child. No. It's just not the natural order of things. It must but it's be funny, reason. having three older sisters and two of whom came of age in the 60s with all the free love and everything, and as a, as a little child, I'd look at them and see what they were going through. I think that put me off having a relationship because it made me quite scared of what would happen because I'd see them cheated on and abandoned and he didn't turn up for the day and she'd come back home and she'd be crying and I saw it didn't make them happy having all these men after them so it made me quite scared of men then yeah but your parents were very happy weren't they that they were really good role models for a relationship yes but it didn't seem to be happening as I was growing up that there were men around who were like my dad and that's the thing isn't it you you had someone very almost perfect in a way that that men had to measure up to. Yeah, my dad was so... I mean, even when he was 82 and he had cancer and he was in a lot of pain, he would still wear a perfectly ironed shirt and a perfectly pressed pair of slacks and his hair would be brill creamed and he was never not immaculate. Yeah, yeah. So it just enrages me that men slob around in trainers and old tracky bottoms and don't comb their hair and don't brush their tongue it just enranges me yeah I mean I didn't have any sort of particular aspirations where men were concerned because my dad was an alcoholic and my mum was a strong capable independent woman that bought me up and provided for us and that's how I learned to be you know I, I learned my my work ethic from my mum my mum's incredibly hard working She's clever, she's she's so capable. 
and I, I, I've taken that through into my relationships where I've wanted to wanted to be the one in charge in a way. And it's only now I'm older that I'd like someone to look after me a little bit. I'd like I'd like someone that was able to. I don't mean financially. I'm not talking about giving up work or anything like that. But, but just, just to do little things, dinner, yeah, just to do little things for you. Take me out, yeah, you know. <laughs> You can read this week's diary in full from Mail on Sunday's You magazine. That kind of brings us yeah. back, really, to Fifty Shades. Yeah. And I'm going to go back to the archive. Da, da, da. It's very extensive, my archive, it's a isn't it? very extensive archive. We could go on for years, couldn't we, going for the archive? Yes, so don't cull us yet. <laughs> this is going back to November 2005, when I was still married. And it was my third wedding anniversary. So 2005, it was my third wedding anniversary. And this column really is an example of being married to a giant toddler where you do everything and then they resent you for doing everything. And then you get them to do one little task. You think, right, I'm going to give you this to do because I want you to be more like Christian Grey and fly a helicopter, do this one little task, and it backfires. So this is a perfect illustration, this column, from the archive, about why we need Fifty Shades when you see that I was married to a giant toddler. I'm writing this on our third wedding anniversary. This particular square on the calendar is not turning out to be my most special time of the year. Our actual wedding day was the most stressful of my entire life. I was largely ignored by my husband, who felt compelled to spend time chatting to friends he hasn't even been in touch with since. And he didn't even sit next to me past the first course. I forgot to eat any chocolate cake, which I am still oddly annoyed and upset about. I had to travel to Los Angeles for work on our first anniversary, And on our second anniversary, we were in Marrakesh with Blur. This is how much I treated him. We were in Marrakesh with Blur, or one of them anyway. And I had a migraine and threw up all night. So today I am waiting for doom to strike. My long-suffering husband, needless to say, is still in India. But he sent me two emails. Hi, chubby chubs. He called me chubby. Right. Oh, the irony. That was his joke. Because he felt he wasn't an enabler. Right. So he called me Chubby. Hi, Chubby. I'm in Hampi now. No mobile reception, but we'll phone you from a call shop tomorrow. Very beautiful. We'll transfer some money to your account. Hug my fur babies. And then, Chubby, I've transferred £890 to your account. You should have that by Friday. Love you. Happy pre-anniversary Sunday. Oh, that's sweet. Now I feel all mean for sending him an email telling me how much he spent on my credit card while he's been away. So I'd forgotten that. When he went to India to find himself inside another woman's vagina, he took my credit card. Why not? That was me being an enabler. He took, my, he took my Capital One credit card. So not only does he cheat on you, you pay for it. Yeah. <sighs> what an ass. So he's spending money on my credit card. I forced him to pay it back. 
and I continue in my archive column, I am still wondering what to do about the £1,500 I spent on our aborted holiday in Cambodia, which he now says he can't be asked to go on. He didn't want to go to Cambodia when he got back from India because he said, I don't want to do another long-haul trip. Right. Why do these men never just think, you'd like that, I'm going to do this for you? Why? Why don't they do that? Why? I made Kerry go with me instead, poor Kerry. On the flight to Cambodia, she got the long version of this column. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Kerry. Or... I didn't bring up about the bill for being interviewed by social services as potential parents. That was £3,000. And then he decided he didn't want want a baby. Or, and this is the bit about getting them to do something, we were going to New York. I booked the hotel. I even interrogated the man at the hotel about what our window looked out on and I wanted it to look out on the Empire State Building so that we felt we were in New York. And I said, if you put me in a room looking over the bins, I will rip your head off. So I not only booked the hotel, I booked pastis for dinner. I made sure the room had a great view. I Googled all the nearby vegan restaurants. I Googled a nearby yoga studio because he was going to pack his smelly mat in my suitcase. I don't normally allow people to put things in my suitcase. I was going to say, what's going on? But I said to him, right, we're going to New York. You're going for the first time. The one thing I want you to do is to organise the transfer between Hackney and the airport. Okay, I'll do that. All right. All right, Mummy. You called me Mummy as well as Chubby. All right, Mummy. There's something wrong with that. I've got to be honest. On the morning of the flight, when I packed his smelly mat, I said, what time is the car coming to pick us up? Um... What airport is it? Oh, dear. He hadn't booked the one thing, the one Christian oh Grey thing I wanted him to do was to book the passage to the airport, and he hadn't done it. Oh, dear. So we had to go in my car. I had to drive. And because we were so late, I had to park in the short-stay car park. And the short-stay car park, how many years later is this? Over 20 years later? A long time. The short-stay car park cost £215. Which I hope he paid for. No. No. Anyway, the phone goes. It's him, the husband. Hi, Chubby. Happy anniversary. Three years, eh? It's been a long haul, hasn't it? Romantic. Did you think we would last this long, I asked him. Um, no, not really. I know I said I wanted to, to be tied to you, and I did love you. But I don't know why I went through with it, to be honest. I felt railroaded. Getting married has its own momentum. And I did think, well, she really wants to do it. So she, 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 the cat's mother. He's called me the cat's mother, she. Who are you referring I'm, I'm to? I've got beef on it. That She's is... never called me she. No, that is not the worst part of that conversation. I've got to be honest, that's not. It's not. I did want to get married. It wasn't because I want a big party, because I hate being the centre of attention. Being married hasn't brought me companionship or someone to share my problems with. I wanted someone who would put me first, be there on the end of the phone. You know when you get back from Fashion Week and you're at the airport and you're going, the luggage is going around the carousel, you want someone to phone you and say, have you got your bag, have you got your taxi, have you landed? That's That's what I wanted. That's me and Kerry. 
That's me and Kerry. It's not a bloke. It's me and Kerry. The past three years of my marriage, I have felt more stressed, more alone, more scared, more demoralised, more ancient than I've ever felt in my life. So I said to him, are you still coming back in a month? Well, that's what I'm phoning about. The thing is, and they ended on a cliffhanger. No! So he was three months and he came back having found himself in Daphne's vagina. What an arse. What an arse. What oh. a fat toddler. So sorry to interrupt, Liz, but we have a very important announcement that might just interest your listeners. There's another Mail on Sunday podcast and it could change your life. It's called Medical Minefield. Yes, where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. And that's with me, Barney Kalman, the Mail on Sunday's health editor. And me, Eve Simmons, the deputy health editor. Find us at mailplus.co.uk. Every week, lots of you get in touch, telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. How are the readers, Nick? Are they all still alive? Better than your poxy, miserable, godforsaken ex-husband. Golden, who's much better than your ex-husband, says, Hi Nick, how are you? Have you had your second vaccination and are you getting out? I've been to my club after over a year. What does he mean, his club? I don't know, it could be anything. It could be a bowls club, it could be a darts club, it could be a... I think they need to be more specific in these letters. Okay, well, okay, Gordon, can you clarify Say to Gordon, you have an edit his letter and say, Gordon, which club? Well, he's, he's probably listening. Gordon, which club? Which club, Gordon? He says, this made me laugh, has this had her jab yet? Vaccination, not sex. She probably knows, but having a wee immediately after is supposed to reduce the risk Do of Do people cystitis. get a cystitis from having the jab? No, sex, having a wee oh. after. Oh. What? So he's giving you advice because you keep getting sex cystitis in case, you know, you're about to take off again. And I remember I said to my ex, no, I can't have sex tonight because I've got cystitis. And he said, is that a yeast infection? <laughs> no, it's not. Thank you very much. It's oh, the honeymoon disease. God. So, yes, we've both had air jabs, haven't we? And we've, You've had both. I've had both. I haven't had the second one because I'm much younger than I, I'm much younger than I look. Um... What, what in, in rebuilt years, you're much Yes, younger. if you've had a facelift, you have to wait longer for the second jab. Right, OK. And have you been getting out and about? You have, haven't you? You've been to London. I've been to London. That's yeah. coming up very shortly da, da, da. in a column. And it's apps. you will be gobsmacked at you what will. happened. You will. You're going to listen to that one. And yeah, we've been Read it. Read it's it. not a podcast, it's a column. It's not a diary, it's a column. Yes, but you do your column in your podcast as well, don't you? So they can listen and yeah, all. Yeah, but the column comes first. Yeah, but then they can get more detail because we're going we're gonna to talk about it. Yeah. So more detail, all the juicy detail. When I showed Nick my WhatsApp message, she nearly fell off her chair. I think, well, I did nearly fall off the chair, but we'll, re we'll reserve that. Also, I thought we'd do something a bit different this week. 
I thought we would look at some of the iTunes reviews because it's lovely getting nice reviews, isn't it? And I thought I don't read my reviews actually. Oh no, I always read them. I literally every week I log on to iTunes and, and go through the reviews. And we had one from Juicy Mouse, and she sorted it Oily Bath Entertainment. And I thought you'd relate to this because you like your oily bath. I do don't like you? my oily bath. I haven't bathed in plain water since 1972. I think oily baths are great if you've got a cleaner. I mean, I just don't want to deal with a bath after after I've put oil in it. I'm sorry, I don't like them that much. Right, so she says, oily baths on a Sunday morning just wouldn't be the same without your podcast, Listen Nick. Listening to you has become part of my morning self-care ritual before my 10-year-old daughter wakes up. As a single mum who runs a business and has dated some pretty awful narcissists, I can relate totally to Liz's tales. Thank God I grew up and grew out of that. I hope you win at the awards. Yes. <laughs> I hope you win at the awards. I listen to all sorts, including Oprah, and you're by far my favourite. So we're actually more popular than, than Oprah. Oprah. We're better than Oprah. So why haven't we got Harry here with us? We don't. What you got me? You got me. You don't need Harry. You've got he me. Do, he does drone on a bit, doesn't he? Well, at least I'm not sitting here tapping and eye rolling. Do you know what I mean? I'm I'm engaged. I'm engaged. Fully engaged. But I thought that was lovely that we're part of a self-care ritual. I like yeah. that. I think that's really nice. I really like listening to, like, when people let us know when they listen, like their dog walking or it's with their glass of wine when they're doing their, their Saturday dinner. And it's really nice to know that you're part of someone's life we're, like that. We're quite mobile, aren't we? We're very mobile. We do all sorts with people. You wouldn't believe what we get up to when we don't know. So, yes... Better than Oprah. Can I just say that again? Yes. Better than Oprah. I'm going to put that on my CV. Better, Better than, than Oprah. Oprah. Yes. <laughs> I was going to be on my gravestone. <laughs> well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday, but for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.